Well, good morning. Happy Easter. Thanks for choosing to celebrate with us today. Have you heard the story about the mother who received a surprising text message from her daughter? Let me tell you, this is what it read. Dear Mom, I'm sorry to tell you this, but I have decided to elope with my boyfriend. And I wanted to avoid a scene with you and Dad. He's really a good guy, but I knew you wouldn't approve of his long hair, his piercings, tattoos, dog collar, and saggy pants. He's a hard worker, and I'm sure he'll find a job soon in spite of his record. He has his own cute little trailer out in the woods where he grows some special plants. We both want to have lots of children as quickly as possible. I know I'm only 15, but I can handle this. Someday I'll come back home so you and dad can meet your grandchildren. Goodbye for now. Love, Susie. P.S. None of what I wrote is really true. I'm next door at the neighbor's house. My report card is on the desk. (laughs) And when you see my grades, just remember that there are worse things in life. Please call me when it's safe to come back home. (laughs) Has anyone here ever thought the worst, but then it turns out to not be so bad in the end? At some level, that's really a part of that Easter story. You may remember for the disciples, it was uh, a very uh, discouraging and depressing, and they were filled with grief as they saw Jesus, the one they'd been following, uh, crucified and die on a cross. But we know, and they didn't know at that time, but we know three days later, Jesus rose from the dead, right? There was good news right around the corner. But for them in that moment, they didn't understand. They didn't see. And yet, it was still God working in, his, in, in the midst of it. The resurrection of Jesus is good news. And in fact, people all around the world are celebrating the fact that Jesus is alive today, just as we are. In Scripture, it says that if Jesus is not risen from the dead, that we are of all people to be most pitied. But the reality is, if, if Jesus has risen from the dead, then we are of all people to be most pitied envied because it changes everything and it changes our destiny. And so today I get to declare to you the good news that Jesus, yes, was uh, crucified, died, buried, but on the third day he rose again. Amen? It's good news, yes. He is risen. Today I want to talk to you about the Easter story, and for some of you may be familiar with the Easter story, what I want to do today is tell you of a, a, a different account of the Easter story. It's an account that's found in uh, Luke's gospel. Luke, we owe so much to Luke. He's the, the kind of the guy that bats clean up on a lot of different stories in the scripture. He looks at those stories that are overlooked, or maybe there's details that are missing that he adds, and so, it's so we're so grateful for his account. And the account that he um, shares with us, the passage we're going to look at today, is about two disciples who witnessed the crucifixion of Christ. And they were, um, it left them uh, just feeling completely uh, at a loss of hope. They were dejected, depressed, they were sad, they were grief-stricken. And in what I want you to do, to, what I want to do by looking at the, this passage is for you to feel a little bit of their pain to feel a little bit of the disappointment that they have, 
Because the reality is we also experience pain and disappointment in life as well, don't we? But what we need to remember is this great statement here in Scripture. Let me show you in, in um, Psalm uh, thirty-four, eighteen. It says this, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. What a great promise. Because I know that there's not a few people here today who are a bit brokenhearted. There's not a few people here who at some level, in some way, feel crushed in their spirit. But what I want you to hear today is the great good news. That there's God who comes near to us. There's a God who saves those who are crushed in spirit. And as we see how God uh, steps in and there's great good news and there's hope, even when we feel a loss of hope, uh, that we, there's, there's the resurrection of Jesus brings us hope in the midst of our brokenhearted and, and moments of, of life when we feel just so disappointed and so crushed in our spirit. And so what I'd like to do is just show you that account in Luke chapter 24. If you have your Bible, I want to invite you to open to Luke chapter 24. If you didn't bring your Bible, hopefully you receive that handout on your way in here. It has the passage printed for you. You can find it there. Once you do, I want to invite you to please stand in honor of God's Word. I'm going to read this passage. We're going to read it in its entirety, and then we'll come back and we'll look at it verse by verse. But this really is a remarkable story about two disciples, and they're walking home, fully dejected after the third day, uh, after the crucifixion. They're in a a state of crushing disappointment. Um, They've lost all hope, but fortunately for them and for us, it's not the end of the story. Let me read it for you. Beginning of verse 13 all the way down to 32, it says this. Now, that same day, what day? Resurrection day. The third day. That's the day. That same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. Um, but we had hoped that he, um, that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what, what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels. They said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are, how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. Uh, But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, 
Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Okay, go ahead and have a seat. If you would please, and we'll take a look at it. Starting in verse 13, this is what it says. It says, Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And so it says this, that on that same day, that is, I said already, Resurrection Day, the third day. Um, they're traveling outside of Jerusalem. And this would not be uncommon. Um, after the Passover period is over, all those pilgrims who had come to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover would then be traveling back home. And so they're just doing the normal thing. They've been to the Passover. The Passover celebration is over, the period of time. And so now they're leaving Jerusalem and going back to their home. And it says that there's two of them. Um, we know one of them by name later. The other one is a little bit of a mystery to us. Um, but the language here indicates that they are um, likely um, a couple. And, um, and if they're a couple, they're likely a married couple, which makes it more interesting, um, to say the least. And so they're, they're headed back to their home in Emmaus. Then verse 14, it says this, they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. So on their way back home, they're talking. But more than talking, they're actually arguing. We see that in the next verse. Let me show you. It says this, as they talked and discussed these things with each other, and I want to just stop right there. It says, as they talked and discussed. That word discussed right there, I'll highlight it for you. Um, in the Greek, it means to argue or debate. See, I told you they could be a married couple, right? <laughs> so they're haggling with each other. They're arguing. They're debating on, the, on their way home after the, after, after the Passover period. So they're, they discussed, they argued these things with each other. Jesus himself, while they're doing this, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. So Jesus starts walking along with them. Now, it would not have been shocking, by the way, to have another fellow pil pilgrim walking along with you on your way out of Jerusalem because so many people had come in for the Passover that lots of people would leave. So he just kind of, that's just normal. Someone comes, comes next to them and starts talking to them. Um, we know what's going on. We know it's Jesus. They don't. They don't recognize or see him um, at this time. So that's what's going on. Um, and then he asked them, uh, what are you discussing as you walk along. Now, they weren't shocked that a, a traveler had come alongside them and started talking to them. What they are shocked by, though, is this question. It says, what are you discussing together as you walk along? And you'd see their response. It says this, they stood still and their faces downcast. They're just, they're, they're, they're in deep grief and pain. And the, the guy says, you know, Jesus says, what are you talking about? They're just stops them. They just feel the pain all over again. They're, they're brokenhearted. They're crushed in spirit. And, and, and they're, they're, they're downcast, it says in this passage. Then verse 18 says this. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? So essentially, Cleopas speaks up and says, Are you truly clueless? That's what he's saying. It's a bit of an insult, okay? He's saying, Are you the only clueless person here in Jerusalem at this time? Because everyone knows what's been going on, and how are you missing it? See, there was a crucifixion, and the Romans, by the way, they wouldn't typically crucify someone during the Passover time because it tended to start riots. But during this Passover, there was a crucifixion, and everyone in Jerusalem would have known that there was this guy named Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. It was the talk of the town. Everyone knew what was going on or had heard of what was happening, and so it was the news. And so he's looking at this, this guy saying, what do you mean? 
you don't know. And you hear his disappointment. You feel his disappointment in his response, in his, his really sarcastic response back to Jesus. And to understand the disappointment, there's another clue in this verse that helps us understand because it says that it's Cleopas. And I, I just highlight there, we know the name of this person who's speaking to Jesus. And if you do a little um, Bible genealogy here, you, you, you find out that Jesus' earthly father was Joseph. And Joseph had a brother, and his brother's name was Cleopas. Cleopas was married to a woman named Mary, one of the Marys who was at the cross when, when Jesus uh, was crucified. And so what we have here is Uncle Cleopas and Aunt Mary, okay? And now you understand a little bit of their disappointment, because they're walking back and they're disappointed because they, they knew the story of Jesus. They knew about his amazing birth, uh, their, their nephew Jesus. They knew about his amazing birth. They saw him grow up and they said, what an amazing child who grew up to be an amazing man, who did these amazing miracles and did, said amazing things. And, and they're just, they're just, they're crushed. They're disappointed. They had put their hope in their nephew, Jesus. And they had lots of good reasons to put their hope in Jesus. And so here we have um, Cleopas and Mary as, as, as uncle and his aunt, and they're, they're discouraged, and they're, they're saddened. And they're saying, have you not heard of what's happened during these days? Next verse says this in verse 19. What things, he asks, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. They're, not, they're saying, listen, we watched him grow up. We saw his, his, this amazing young kid grow up to this amazing man who was a man of God, both the way he spoke but what he did, he was a prophet, truly a prophet of God. And they're, they're saying, how, how could you have missed this? You're hearing the disappointment, the, the, the sadness that they're, they're feeling. Verse 20, it says this, the chief priests, and then here's where the real disappointment takes place. They saw like, oh, this was, the, Jesus was the one we were putting our hope in. Now here's the, the discouraging part. Verse 20, the chief priests, oh, sorry, go ahead, go back to verse 20. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death death, and they crucified him. So they're saying, we had put our hope in Jesus, but guess what? He just died. He was, he was sentenced to death, and he was crucified. And what's worse than just, not just that he died, but he was crucified, which means he was treated as a criminal. And we know he was innocent. He wasn't, he wasn't a criminal, but that's a criminal's death that he was given. So they're crushed this, by this. They're heartbroken. Verse 21, and we, but we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. And so what I want you to see here in verse 21 is this, that they're saying, but we had hoped. We had hoped. And they had hoped that Jesus would be the one that God had sent to redeem Israel. They'd put all their hope in him and all their, their faith in him. And they were seeing a brighter future because of him. But now it's all gone. They lost hope. And they're not the only ones who in life have had moments where we've said to ourselves, we had hoped, right? We've felt that in our experience in life as well, haven't we? That we've all encountered moments when we could say we had hoped. We had hoped that our son or our daughter had listened to us, but they didn't. We had hoped we had enough money to, to get through, but, but that we, we experienced a, a different scenario. We had hoped that the diagnosis 
from the doctor would be different, but it wasn't. It was difficult and hard. We had hoped that the re- I had hoped that this relationship would have ended differently, but it didn't. It ended poorly and badly and left me brokenhearted. In life, you cannot live life for very long without experiencing disappointment, without experiencing moments where you had hoped for something and then find that it doesn't work out the way that, that we had hoped. That's exactly how they are feeling. And on top of that, it says it's the third day, which is important for us to get because in, in popular Jewish theology, it was a third day where the, the soul and the, the, the spirit and the body were ultimately separated. So that was kind of their, their way of thinking. Is the first day Jesus died on the cross and they're like, God, where are you? The second day, they're just walking around stunned by the whole thing. But now it's the third day and surely finally there's no hope because this is the day that the, the, the spirit would be ultimately separated from the body. That's their line of thinking. The third day was a terrible thing. But fortunately, we understand God is the God of the third day. That even we live hope that God, God, God is there and he still rules over all. And so that's what they're missing, but that's how they're feeling. And we understand it. We have all experienced moments where we could say we had hoped and it, we felt disappointment. We felt discouragement. We felt and we, we found ourselves brokenhearted. Verse 22. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning. So now he's stacking it up. So it's not just that we had hoped and all the, the, it, it didn't work out the way that we want. Now that we're hearing these wild stories, it says this. He says this, the women um, amazed us. They went to the term, er, t- tomb early in the morning, verse 23, but didn't find his body. They came and told us what they had seen, that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And so for him, especially culturally, they did not uh, at that time um, have a high view of women. It's so amazing. Jesus was so different. He elevated women and he allowed women to be the first to see him. And, and it was a really a remarkable thing. But in this culture, in this time, the men would be like, eh, I don't know if I really trust the women, okay? So that's kind of what's going on. You feel that here. They tell, the women are telling this wild story, right? But then the next verse, it says this, verse 24, then some of our companions, that is the men, um, went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. So here's a stunning thought. The men found out the women were telling the truth, okay? <laughs> so this is, this is kind of the, the feel here and what, what, what he's saying. And, and, and he's stunned, he's shocked, and they're saying, not only are we crushed because Jesus died, he died a criminal's death, but we are also crushed because now the body is no longer there. They don't understand and fully get the, the, the resurrection of Christ. Then verse 25, he said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets had spoken. And so Jesus now, it's his turn to speak back and say, are you really that clueless? Okay, do you hear it <laughs> coming back on them again? Are you really that clueless? Are you that slow? Are you missing it? Have you not read in the scripture about all the things that the, the Messiah who was to come would suffer? The Messiah who was to come would be the Redeemer, but he had to suffer first. And, and they're saying, you missed it. You, are you so clueless that you didn't listen to the scripture and all that it was foretelling, all that it was pointing to who Jesus is and what he came to accomplish when he died on the cross. So he's saying back to them, you missed it. Verse 26, did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? So again, he's pointing directly at it. Didn't the Messiah have to suffer? Because this is where they got stopped up. They're like, Jesus suffered and now we're suffering. Therefore, God's no longer in charge. 
That's how they're feeling. You ever felt that way? But here's the, here's the interesting thing that we need to hear and understand. This is what Jesus is saying. Listen, God is the God of not just the good days, but he's also the God of the tough days. That even in the suffering, even in the struggle, even in the disappointment, God is still in charge. God is still with us in those moments. He's near and dear to the brokenhearted. He came to save those who are crushed in spirit, and that's where they are. They don't see the full story, and so Jesus says, let me help you see the full story. Look at the next verse. It says this, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. This is the greatest Bible study in all history, okay? This is Jesus going back to the Old Testament saying to these guys, listen, you, you see this? When, when, when Abraham uh, had his son, he was to sacrifice, but didn't because God provided a sacrifice. Guess what? I'm the son that God sacrificed for his people. You, you remember the story with Moses where, you know, he commanded the people, uh, you know, to, to, that the, the Passover lamb to sacrifice the lamb so that the death angel might pass over. Guess what? I am the lamb of God. That's who I am. It was all pointing to me, the one who would die in your place so that you might have freedom and life and forgiveness for your sins. You, you know, all those sacrifices in Leviticus that you're, you're, you had to do and you were pointed to, guess what? All those things point to me. The suffering, the sacrifice, it pointed to my suffering, my sacrifice on your behalf. You see that? He just went all the way through the greatest Bible study in all history, and he just kept pointing back to himself, saying, listen, look, look, look. And their minds are being blown because now they're beginning to see Jesus again for the first time. And it's a really remarkable thing. Then verse 28 says this, then they approached the village which they were, where they were, which they were going. Jesus continued on as if they were going farther. So they're getting to the point where it's like, we're getting to our house. We're getting to our house. We're like, we don't want to stop right now because we're loving the Bible study. And this is amazing. And, G- and Jesus is just enlightening our minds in this incredible way of how he fulfills all the prophecies. And he is the one. And so the, Jesus is going to continue to walk on. And, in, you know, certainly in the Middle Eastern days, you wouldn't invite yourself over for a meal. Um, you would keep on going and they would have to invite you and they'd have to invite you back several times, um, you know, ultimately before you accepted the invitation. And that's what's going on here. He was about to go further, but they want to stop him. Verse 29. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. So again, they're urging him to stay. Why do they want him to stay? They don't want the Bible study to stop. They're beginning to see their nephew Jesus differently. They don't recognize him yet, in this moment, but they're beginning to see Jesus again for the first time, and they don't want it to stop. Verse 30, it says this, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. So it was mealtime. He broke the bread, gave thanks, he gave it to them, and this amazing thing takes place. They begin to see him for who he really is. Verse 31, it says this, then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared before their sight. So we don't know um, what it was that kind of unlocked things. Was it uh, the wounds in his wrists as he was breaking the bread that allowed them to see, ah, oh, this is Jesus. But we don't know. But either way, all of a sudden they recognize this is Jesus. He's the one. And then he goes. Now, after he goes, verse 32, listen to what they say. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They're saying our hearts were on fire 
when we were hearing about Jesus and how the Old Testament all points to who he is, what he would do, why he had to suffer, and they were just, they, they had come truly to the end of themselves, but it was at the end of themselves that they now were at the beginning of God. And there's an amazing point for all of us where we come to the end of ourselves, where we lose hope and confidence in ourselves and recognize it's just the beginning for God. And then we put our trust in him. And they began to see Jesus again for the first time. They began to see who he really was, what he came to accomplish, and God's great plan overall in the midst of the suffering, in the midst of the heartache, that God had a plan and a purpose for that so that ultimately we could have hope. And there's not a few of us here who need to come to a point where we see Jesus again for the first time. There's not a few of us here that need to just say, you know what, our view of Jesus has been this, but I need to see him with fresh eyes. I need to see him clearly again for the first time. For some of you, you see Jesus with grandma eyes. Let me explain. Maybe it was your grandma who brought you to church when you were a kid. Your grandma who brought you along. And you came to church with grandma and you saw Jesus for the old people, right? And Jesus was good to the old people, but you're not there yet. But listen, you need to see Jesus again for the first time. That is that he's for you. And he's good for you. And he wants to walk with you. Some of you, uh, you've seen the, you know, the, the Jesus of uh, the TV personality, the preacher on, on TV who's there to sell you religion and tell you where to send your check, right? Let me tell you, there's always going to be someone who is going to try to make a buck off of Jesus, And there's always going to be someone who wants to spin Jesus for their own agenda, some cult leader who wants to, you know, mess things up for you. But each and every one of us need to stop and say, no, I need to see Jesus for who he really is. Not just for what they're selling, not for what they're spinning, but for who he is right here in front of me today. So we need to come to him. Some of you need to see Jesus for the first time again because you, perhaps your exposure to to Jesus, the church was as a kid in Sunday school. You went to Sunday school and that was your you know, experience with Jesus, but that's been your frozen experience with Jesus ever since. But as you've grown older, what you need to do is see Jesus again for the first time, that Jesus doesn't just meet your child needs, but he's also able to meet your adult needs too, that he wants to continue to walk with you. And here's the reason why that's so important, because as we get older, guess what? The heartbreaks become deeper, don't they? The challenges in life become more difficult. The moments where we lose hope become more, uh, more burdensome. And so we need to recognize that God is near to the brokenhearted, that he saves those who are crushed in spirit. And he invites you to walk with him. The good news is he doesn't just come alongside these two travelers on their way to Emmaus, but Jesus wants to come alongside of you. And he wants you to see him again for the first time. And the good news is this, that if Jesus rose from the dead, if he's risen, listen, he can handle your your biggest wound. He can deal with it. If Jesus is risen from the dead, he can deal with your most difficult disappointment, the deepest disappointments in your life. Jesus can handle it. If, If Jesus is risen from the dead, listen, he can handle your fears, your frustrations, your worries, all of those things. If Jesus is risen from the dead, listen, he has defeated our greatest enemy, death, 
the grave itself. He defeated it and he came back. Listen, you're scared to death. Guess what? Um, I am too. We all are, right? But wouldn't you rather trust someone who's been there and back and says, I can get you through it? That's what Jesus has done. So we say, okay, if Jesus is risen, he can handle all of these things. And he is near to the brokenhearted. And he wants to save those who are crushed in spirit. The invitation for all of us is there. That each and every one of us can have hope because of who Jesus is and what he's done. Even in the midst of our disappointment. Even in the midst of our darkest days. This is the good news. This is what the the resurrection of Jesus represents. The hope that we have in him. And the invitation to allow him to walk, walk alongside of us. To listen to him and to follow him into a a future that is far greater than we can ever ask or imagine. That's what he offers to each and every one of us. With that, let me take a moment and let's pray together and thank him for that great good news. As we come into this time of prayer, this is just a moment really truly for you to come before the Lord. I can pray and in a moment I will, but this is a moment for you to pray too. And for some of you here today, you just need to stop and recognize and say, maybe it's not just that you need to see Jesus again for the first time, but you just need to see Jesus for the first time. That for you, you've been searching, you've been looking, you've been relying on lots of other things, yourself and other things, to guide you into life. And maybe today is the opportunity for you to say, Lord, I just need to see you. And this is that moment to say, God, help me to see you. And I know it might even feel a little awkward for you to be praying. Jesus can handle it. He wants to hear from you. He invites you to come to him. And maybe this is just that moment for you to say, Lord, I want to search for you. Help me to see you. And understand what it means to follow you. For some of you, perhaps you are a follower of Jesus, but you've experienced some great disappointment in your life and you've lost hope. Somehow you've become brokenhearted, crushed in your spirit. Now is your opportunity to come to Jesus and say, Lord, I need you to lift me up. I need you to walk alongside of me today. I need hope desperately and I need it from you. Let him in. Call out to him. He'll respond. Maybe some of you here today have just blown it big time. You feel like you've messed it up and you've lost hope because of maybe your own decisions, your own struggles, your own challenges. This is that time for you to say, Lord, I need your help. I need your forgiveness and restoration in my life. God, we do thank you together for the resurrection of your son, Jesus. That because of his death and resurrection, we can have hope, not just in this life, but in the life to come. That through his sacrifice, we find forgiveness, freedom. We find hope for a future with you. We thank you again for all that you've done, for the hope that you provide in Jesus. In your name, amen.